You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. What I'm wanting to do is try and set a foundation so that we can build something of significance, something of purpose, something of kingdom in it. So, and often what I'm experiencing during the course of the week, and maybe it's because sometimes I'm the tip of the spear that's going in. And, and so I, I prepare around some of the things that God is doing in my life, some of my victories, some of my struggles, some of my, my and just the people that I'm, I'm in contact with. And, and more and more, where people are going through a bad place or a challenging time, suddenly they question so many things of God. Well, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you absent? And the reality is, like, we, we know God is omnipotent, omnipresent. God is all around us. God is all powerful. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Yet somehow in our dark moments, we, we, we forget that. We start to question, you know, where is God in this? You know, and as soon as we say, well, where is God? You know, it's like, well, he's here. It's just like, why am I not experiencing the presence of God in the situation? What do I need to change to experience the goodness of God in this situation? What do I need to change to be able to, to see the kingdom come here on earth right now? Because God is not leaving. God is not distant. God is not walking out of us. God is continually pressing into us. So if I'm not experiencing it, Why? And, and, and sometimes it's because of things that sometimes are, are, are beyond our control, but it's not beyond God's. And, and I've been praying for a, a, a family who's, and, and we have, I've mentioned over the past couple of weeks, whose who's mom has been tremendously unwell. And on Thursday night, the family was summoned and told, you know, it's unlikely that this lady's going to, to make it past the night. And so some of the family got there in time, and unfortunately, she did pass away. So in those times, you can think, well, God, why? Where are you? And, and even as believers, we start to go, well, God, I thought you were a healing God. I thought you were a God of science, wonders, miracles, and, and I've got faith to heal. And because God doesn't do it our way, because we had expectations, I had expectations, saying, God, why didn't you heal? And it's just saying, actually, God, so what is it that you're doing in here that I can partner with? Your will be done. Your kingdom come. I put out word this week that Marlene's brother-in-law, uh, JP, had a an aneurysm um, on, on Monday. And so it's been a tough journey for, for them. He's a, he's a young man. His wife is pregnant with a miracle baby. They've been trying for years to fall pregnant, and she's had numerous miscarriages. She's six months pregnant. And as a, as a family, they're going to turn the machines off. Um, and you try and explain to the family, God is in this. And how do you get together with a family? How do you not let your faith become like a little bit wrecked and messed up when you're saying, actually, you celebrate a miracle pregnancy and this is a young man in the prime of his life and you trust him with God. And, and the amazing thing is, as a family now, it's all about God's will be done. And yet somehow it's so easy to be flippant and throw out bumper stickers and have a desire for healing and I don't want to not have a desire for healing when we're going through these moments. I'm saying, God, where are you in these moments? How do we prepare ourselves so we don't become jaded and give up and confused when my will doesn't happen and my will is not done? There's people in our, in our community that I, I just wish were here this morning to hear this message because they get frustrated when they trust in God for something 
And what doesn't happen in their box causes them to go, well, then I'm going to throw out my toys and I'm not going to come to church and I'm not going to do this because, you know, I wanted this and God hasn't given it to me. And I'm trying to say, well, maybe it's because God wants better. God wants more for you. So how do we navigate to understand the better and the more of God? But friends, how do we lay the foundations so that we can carry the tremendous weight and gifting and privilege and anointing and blessings and trials and tribulations and hardships that we're going to be exposed to to be able to see the kingdom of God come? Because if all we're doing is building our theology and our understanding on the froth of feel-good factor, when the beating and the waves and the temptations and the frustrations come our way, we'll be like a house of cards that fall down. And the scary thing is when, when a charismatic, when a church, when a Christian house of cards comes down, the ripple effect is everyone gets becomes disillusioned with the church. I thought you did this. I thought you did this. I thought the church would be here for me. Instead of saying, actually, no, we, we want to build something of substance. And the difficulty for me is like, I'm living in here. I'm living in my dreams. I'm living in the vision and the calling of what, what God wants for us and as his family, as his dad of this house. I'm, I'm wanting the more. I'm wanting the all. I'm wanting all of this. But sometimes you've got to start off by saying, actually, guys, we need to learn to eat our vegetables so that we can have like pudding afterwards. You know, sometimes we have to wash the dishes. So we've, sometimes we have to make our bed. Sometimes we have to get involved with different things. Because that's what family does. It's not just all about the bras and the puddings and the, and the chocolates at the end of the day. It's being able to say family. We are learning. We're living. We're growing. We're doing kingdom life together. Why? Because we want to be a demonstration. We want this house. We want this family. We want our lives to demonstrate and shine light and say to the people. Because people are looking for kingdom. People are looking for God. People are looking for a family that believe something and something of substance. People want to know that we're not going to give up on our faith. We're not going to give up on one another when something frustrating happens, when we get miffed with one another, when we get miffed with God, when, when something doesn't go our way, we still tuck in because it's not my kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's your will be done. I'm going to carry on just say the word, part two of what I shared a fortnight ago. In Luke 7, verse, from verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal a slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they say. For he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. It was all about works. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officers sent some of his friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I want to say the word for where I am. Lord, I just say healing over the person I have in mind. Healing over that person. Restoration of that person. I want to say just say the word, Jesus. And there's breakthrough and power and anointing for the people that are on my prayer list. I know this because I understand the authority of superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do it, they do this. 
Jesus was amazed when he heard this. Turned to the crowd that was following him. He said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. I'll show you about in this moment, you have a Roman officer who sent his friends to Jesus, asking him, begging him, won't you come and heal my servant slave who is dying? And Jesus says, I am in. I'm parting with you. I'm in this adventure with you. I explained why this is profound, because it was a, a Gentile person. It was a Jewish, it was a, a Gentile slave. It was a girl. It was a person that wouldn't have been customary and culturally right for Jesus to do this. He says, just say my word. And eight days later, eight verses later in verse 18, and the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything that Jesus was doing. So John called two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord and asked him, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? As I said a fortnight ago, John the Baptist knew exactly who Jesus was. From the time he was in his mom's womb, when he came into contact with Jesus in his mom's room, he leapt with joy. There was something in that. Through the waters of baptism and through the difficult moments, John was convinced of who Jesus was. And yet when something doesn't go to plan, when something doesn't go the way he thought it would go, suddenly confusion and questions and doubt creep in. Friends, when things don't go our way, do we start to let questions and confusions and doubt and annoyance creep in? Do we stop doing what God's called us to do just because we hit a detour or a block or we come to a part of the maze that Ina shared in the prayer meeting where we just don't know where to go? And so we just turn around and go back and just say, Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, won't you enlighten me? Won't you lead me? I am committed regardless of what comes against me. A few weeks later, John is first in persecution, in prison. He needs to be rescued, and he sends his friends to Jesus to say, come and rescue me. Won't you come and find me? As I said, what Jesus said next doesn't help, because he says at the very time, in verse 21, Jesus cured many people of all the diseases and illnesses and evil spirits, and he restored restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him that everything you've heard, the, blames, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is being preached to the poor. Go and tell him that the kingdom of God is coming. It's here. We are seeing everything that he wanted. Friends, sometimes we, we see all the good things that are happening there. We see all the good things that are happening in another church, another fellowship. We see all the good things that are happening at, at, in restaurants or bars or clubs or on the soccer field or wherever it may be. Somebody else is just having far more fun than what we are. It's not. The kingdom of God is coming. John, regardless of, of what you see, regardless of what's happening on the field out there, regardless of what's happening in work, I'm wanting to remind you that the kingdom of God has come. And he adds, God blessed all those who do not fall away from me. Blessed are those who do not lose faith because of me. Blessed are those who don't give up. Blessed are those who do not walk away. In other words, Blessed are those who don't get miffed, jaded, frustrated, annoyed, persecuted, bored, 
world-weary, fatigued, exhausted. Blessed are those who don't let the world dictate so much to them that they don't do what the King of Kings has asked them to do. When I don't shop for you, for you the way that you think, will you give up on me? So he says this to, to John, John, all these things are happening. And blessed, blessed are those who don't give up regardless of their situation and circumstance. And John the Baptist hears this, and if I was John the Baptist, I would just be so annoyed. God, I've given my life to you. And now all the other people are having a party. All the other people are seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. And in my prison, in my situation, in my circumstances, I don't. I'm calling out for you. Where are you? And John the Baptist is beheaded, and his head is given to the daughter of Herod as a birthday present. And my sick mind sometimes think, well, how, I battle to, to wrap things up. You, you, you try and wrap up a football. You know, you, footballs, square boxes can be wrapped up, footballs can't. There's certain things that you just can't wrap up. Clothes generally can't wrap up. Because you wrap up a, a, a shirt, and as soon as you pick it up, your fingers go through it, and there's holes in it, you know. And I'm thinking, like, now how do you wrap up a, a head? Do you put a bow on it, you know? Friends, the God who can shake open the prisons doesn't. Jesus, who can say the word, remains silent. Jesus, who can set the captives free, doesn't heal John. Jesus, who can say the word and release his cousin, does not say the word and his cousin is not released. Jesus, who can heal a foreign slave girl, doesn't come through for him. Jesus, who can minister to a foreigner, does not come through for family. I would be somewhat frustrated. And Jesus says to John, John, I love you. I'm not rescuing you the way that you want. I'm not coming through for you the way that you want me to. And here, Jesus understood his purpose. Jesus understood his mission, Jesus understood his calling. Jesus wasn't getting sidetracked by it. Jesus understood that his purpose was not necessary to save us from pain and suffering, but Jesus' purpose is to save us from a meaningless existence and a meaningless life. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, John, I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you need. And where you are and what you need and what you are going through is fulfilling the call and purpose that I have on your life. So, John, why would I, why would I save you from what God has planned for you? John, it's not happening. You've given your life to the thing that is breaking out on earth right now. And just because you don't feel it and just because you don't experience it does not mean it's not happening. Friends, in our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances, how often do we think that God is not there because we don't feel it or see it? Just because Jesus doesn't heal you does not mean Jesus does not love you. Jesus loved John profoundly. 
Jesus would say of John the Baptist, of all the people on earth, there is none greater than you. But John, I'm leaving you in the plans and purposes so that your life, your character will be a testimony to all those that are still to come. Just because Jesus heals you does not mean that somehow you earned it. Just because Jesus healed you also doesn't mean that somehow you deserved it more than somebody else. Because God remains our healer. Because things don't happen the way that we want them to do. Because things don't happen the way we cry out for them to happen does not mean God loves us any more or loves us any less. Just say the word Jesus and it'll happen. Just say the word and I'll get my promotion. Just say the word and I'll get my babe. Just say the word and I'll get my breakthrough. Just say the word and I'll come out of captivity. Just say the word and I'll have my money. Just say the word and everything will be fine. Just say the word and all my frustrations will happen. Jesus, just say the word. But friends, what happens when Jesus doesn't say the word? I'm convinced that it takes faith to believe that Jesus will say the word, that God will raise up a people who will believe that Jesus will say the word, that we'll become a community of friends of just say the word, Jesus. Because it takes faith to believe, just say the word and that person will be healed. Just say the word and that person will rise up from the dead. Just say the word, Jesus, and people will come through and have their victory and have their, their moments. It takes great faith, but it almost takes more faith to still believe Jesus when he doesn't say the word. It's easy to believe Jesus when he says something that we want and things come through. It takes more faith to still believe Jesus when he doesn't appear to come through. When the God who can shake the prison doors open doesn't. When the God who can resurrect the dead doesn't. When the God who can release angels to release John doesn't. Blessed are those, says Jesus, who don't get jaded and frustrated and miffed and annoyed and bitter and twisted. Blessed are those who don't give up on me when their word isn't the same as my word. In Hebrews 11, Paul continues, and he recounts these stories about how the kingdom of God is breaking into history. And I love it. You know, how many of us want the kingdom of God to break, break into our communities? I do. Oh, Lord, let the kingdom of God break through. I want to be a blessed people. How many of us want to be blessed people because we are seen to be amongst those where the kingdom of God is breaking through? I definitely do. I want to be amongst that group of people. I want to be one of those people where God says, blessed are those. Not so. Careful what we wish for. Blessed are those. Paul carries a writing in Hebrews 11. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Yes, I want to do that. Ruled with justice and received what God had promised. Oh, yes, blessed be me. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death. 
by the edge of the sword. Yes, bless it. I want to be amongst those people. Their weakness was turned to strength. Yes, glory, hallelujah. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. I want to be amongst those. They became strong in battle, but whole armies of flight. Women received their beloved ones back again from death. Glory, hallelujah. I want to be amongst those that are blessed by God. But others who are blessed by God were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after their resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half. And others were killed by the sword. Uh-uh. I'm not ready to tap out. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. These people earned a good reputation because of their faith because they were whipped and chained and put in prison and cut in half. And yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in store for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And I'm going, Lord, even if you've got something better in store for me than being sawn in half, I think I'd rather take less. I don't want them being stoned. I don't want to be sawed in half. I don't even want my car stolen. I don't want to be, have people frustrated with me, misunderstanding me. I don't want to battle with my finances. I don't want to battle with people who are upset with me because I did something I don't even know what I'm upset about. But, and Jesus says, Stu, if you're sawn in half and I've got something better for you, blessed are you. If you're stoned and mistreated, I've got something better for you. Blessed are you who are mistreated, misunderstood. And the past couple of months, I'm going, Lord, what you have in store for me must be so absolutely amazing. Blessed are those. Even though Jesus could have rescued them, even though Jesus could have healed them, even though Jesus could have set them free, even though Jesus could have provided the way they wanted to, he didn't. Because he has something better. And the amazing thing is that Scripture says that the lives of these people were no less an expression of a life fully lived in faith. And we look at it and go, well, if you're in jail, if you're persecuted, if you're misunderstood, just have more faith. And the Scripture says these are the people who have more faith. It's easy to have faith when everything is going well. It's not quite as easy to have more faith when things are not going well. I know. Not because I've experienced it, just because I'm taking a wild guess. I'd rather have nicety with less faith than persecution and hardships and frustrations with more faith. And Jesus is blessed, more blessed. I have more in store for all of us. The reality is Jesus has Equally, goodness and grace and glory for us.
but he assigns and he chooses the way that he's going to come through. It's no less an expression of someone's maturity and faith. Just because Jesus doesn't heal somebody in a moment does not mean that they don't have faith, does not mean that they don't have the full love of Jesus. I think so much of it is about character. Franz mentioned it in the prayer meeting this morning about how God connects us into family. The beauty of church, the beauty of family, the beauty of being together, of being able to contend for one another where we are not all in the same place is where our character and our perseverance and our tenacity and our strength and our foundations manifest so that we can find the good and the glorious faith that Jesus has in store for us. That we can have faith like those friends who are laying the paradise man into the presence of God when Jesus says, the faith of your friends, wow. Sometimes when I am a little bit bleak and, and off kilt, I want the faith of my family and my friends to be able to carry me. I want to practice my bad attitude in here so that I can portray my kingdom attitude out there. If I can't understand and get healing and get whole in this environment called the bride of Christ, because that's why Jesus created his family, his church, so that as a family... We can protect and honor and overcome and benefit and be glorified and, and pray and try and intercede and, and work through things because we can do it in the loving security of a family of the kingdom of God so that we can manifest the kingdom and the demonstration and the power and the testimony and the overcoming in the world. It's not because we, it's because in the world, even when we are sick, we are strong. Even when we feel weak, we are overcomers. Even when we don't have, we have, we demonstrate in the world what we know and work out in here. The people in the world want to know that you're not just happy because you have all your Stuff together. You're happy because your identity and your breakthrough and your overcoming comes through the kingdom of God and through what Jesus has done for you. That is why we come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Because sometimes it's not about coming for you, it's about coming for all the people who are going to sit next to you. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, even when you're sick, there's no better place to be than in church. Somebody alluded to, to in the prayer meeting just now that the reality is that when, 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 we, when we are spiritually off kilt, when we're spiritually questioning, we manifest into a physical. Now, often you have an upset tummy, because, not just because you ate dodgy food, but just because stress and anxiety and frustration and everything are happening. So bring that under the kingdom of God and your body will manifest goodness and healing instead of staying, staying at home and stewing in your stupidity. In your awfulness, some of my most trying times are when I realize that God has not left me. It's in our trying times that we realize how God is always with me. And that is the promise of God. 
We may be broken, we may be frustrated, we may be misunderstood, we may be rejected, we, we may still be in faith for something, for our emotional healing, for our partnerships, for our, our spouses, for our family, for our spiritual healing, for our mental healing, for our emotional healing, for our work, for our friends, for our community. You know, we might still be in faith for a corrupt, free situation or circumstance. But even in all of that, we still get to serve God. We don't give up on the promises that God has for us because He doesn't give up on the promises that He has for us. So our situation and circumstances don't define us. Friends, I've learned that God can probably use our broken hearts more than he can use our happy hearts. God can often work with us more in our difficult times than he can in our happy times. Often we partner with God more in our times of stress or troubles than we do in our times of abundance, etc. I don't think God creates those situations to draw you close to him. But the beauty is that we draw close to God in those situations and we generally walk away in the others. But here's the reality. Jesus never promised to heal everyone, every way, every time. The promise of God isn't healing. The promise of God is presence. The promise, <coughs> the promise of God is power. The promise of God is resurrection. The promise was healing and wholeness and resurrection. The healing moments of God's future break it into the present. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Heaven on earth. That was the promise. The promise was that I will be with you. The promise was that Jesus would empower you. The promise was when heaven fully comes, I will remake heaven and I will remake earth and everyone in it in every possible way. That's why in John 11, when Jesus shows up and Lazarus is dead, Mary and Martha are upset. And Jesus says to, to Martha, don't worry, Lazarus will rise from the dead. And Mary knows exactly, Martha knows exactly what Jesus is saying. Because she says, I know he will rise when the resurrection comes. I know what will one day happen. Because this was the promise that was understood. That one day everything and everyone will be restored to Jesus in glory. That what God did for Jesus, he would do for everyone. There would be a resurrection glory. This was the picture and a promise of what God was going to do for the rest of the earth and for everyone, the new heavens and the new earth and the new bodies. But what Martha didn't understand, that what Jesus was saying, I'm going to give you an inclination of what is about to come. I'm going to bring the future into the now for Lazarus. What will happen for everybody in eternity, I'm going to do a demonstration of that in the next few minutes. 
Jesus was saying, the thing I have promised for all my people, I'm going to show you what that looks like so that you can see a picture and a demonstration of what is coming. God, our healer, still wishes to heal all. But here's the reality. I don't know one person that Jesus healed that didn't get sick at a future date. I don't know one person that Jesus healed that didn't end up dying. So in every moment, Jesus who reveals love through healing, Jesus who reveals his kingdom through healing, Jesus who reveals his nature through healing, Jesus who wants to heal, Jesus who reveals his heart and his future plans through healing and breaking through heaven now on earth. But there is a much bigger part of it. Jesus is saying that he's bringing his healing and his wholeness to the whole planet. Friends, I said this before. The goal of Jesus wasn't to get us to heaven. It was to get heaven to us. What God did for Jesus was God's way of saying he wants to show us what heaven and earth heaven on earth can look like. God wants to show us a demonstration that when we are united with him, when we experience and are submitted to him in every possible way, when we're willing to let go and let God, there's something more that heaven can break through into earth. That we don't have to wait for it. We can see it right here and right now. But we don't walk away when it does happen in our cardboard box. Tracy said this in the prayer meeting. God is going to do something new, something exciting, something different. And I'm convinced that as a group of friends, we are involved with a project earth that God is doing. When we are willing to say, God, your will be done, when we are willing to say that I choose you over everything, I want to see you over everything, regardless of my situation and circumstance, I want to see the beauty of your provision and your breakthrough. I want you to trust for your healing. I want you to trust for your provision. I'm wanting to commit 100%. I want to say, Jesus, I'm in. And I'm not going to tap out and get frustrated when it doesn't go my way, but your will be done. But Lord, help me understand your will. Help me understand that you never leave me or forsake me, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't get goosebumps, even when I feel lonely, even when I feel persecuted, even when I don't feel I have everything going my, 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 my way. I know that you're there. I know you're committed. And if we understand more and more of this, I honestly believe we're going to lay a foundation that the kingdom of God is going to be built on. That we're a church who welcome the presence of God. We're a church who welcome the plan and purpose of kingdom come. We're a church who are committed to one another regardless. We're a church who are saying, Father God, Holy Spirit, here am I. Won't you use me as part of Project Planet Earth to radiate, to, to, to know your light, to not turn down the quality of this mirror 
when things get tough, but I want to have all of you so I can reflect all of you. I want it all, and I want it now. Thank you for listening. 